Leadership Podcast with your host, Dr. L.D. Bennett. Common Sense Leadership is an influencer podcast that will make you think, laugh, and act. Thanks for tuning in. Remember to subscribe and tell a friend to also listen and subscribe. Now, let's join our host, Dr. L.D. Bennett. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy Friday. I am super stoked to have my guest with me today, Rhonda Critchlow, SVP and Chief Diversity Officer for Charter. I have been trying to get this woman on my podcast forever. And so I finally have her and I'm super, super excited about her. She's gonna share so much about what she does, her journey, and how do you make that mindset shift to get to more? Our theme for the month is mindset for more. Mindset for more. And so many of us have these aspirations. We have dreams, we have things we wanna do, but we haven't quite shifted our mindset. And so I have Rhonda on today and she's gonna talk about that and talk about how she's pivoted in her own career. Uh, and I'm excited to have her on to share. So Rhonda, welcome. Thank you so much, LD. First of all, I have been as excited as you are to have an opportunity to participate. I'm really glad that we were able to land on a date and I'm looking forward to this afternoon's conversation. Absolutely. Guys, I'm going to tell you, I gave you Rhonda's title, but she is extremely modest. Uh, she won't tell you all the great stuff that she does. And hopefully we'll hear a little bit more about her leadership journey as I ask her these questions about that. Rhonda is the kind of person that has mentored so many, but she's also guided an organization in the direction that it needs to go to future-proof its, its direction and also its scope. So Rhonda, why don't you tell us a little bit more about your leadership journey? Sure. So, you know, I'll start by saying in its simplest terms that um, I am a lawyer by background, um, moved into the space of philanthropy, leading diversity and inclusion for charter and oversight of a lot of our community impact initiatives. Um, and I'll say that my career journey has been marked by a number of pivots across disciplines, across types of organizations working for you know, legal institutions to large corporations, some US-based, some global. Um, and I think the benefit of all of those experiences has been that it's allowed me to sort of work in different arenas, work with different types of people across the organization, and really sort of have an opportunity to observe what I think has been some extraordinarily powerful leadership but also learn some lessons about where there could be improvements in terms of not only my leadership journey, but the journey that all leaders um, should be constantly sort of assessing themselves against and ensuring that they're being thoughtful in terms of the teams that they are managing and the strategies that they're trying to put in place. Part of what I think initiated my initial movement from the practice of law to where I am today is you know, while I really always value the opportunity to work um, and do things that I thought were intellectually challenging and stimulating, I didn't necessarily feel personally fulfilled as I was practicing law. And I really wanted to try to move into a space that enabled me to not only do things that were I thought I could excel and make contributions to the organizations that I was working for, but that gave me an opportunity to perhaps have a slightly larger footprint. So for me, part of my mindset towards more was this opportunity to sort of 
not only think about the things that were personally important to me, but to think about ways in which I could try to provide resources, support, guidance to as broad a cross-section of the employees that I engage with within industry, outside of industry, so that at the end of the day, I was doing something that would benefit more than me. And I think I've always been a little bit mission-driven and that has just been a really core component of how I've tried to sort of remain positive. And it's been a key component for me of what I've wanted to accomplish when we think about sort of how do we move to this mindset towards more. You know what, Rhonda, you really hit on something. And I told you when we started talking, what your answer, whenever you answer, it's going to lead me to another question. And so <laughs> you talked a lot about, right? Uh, you talked a lot about your mission and this drive that you have to, to make the world a better place and to leave it better than you found it. And what I'd like to, to hear from you is where did that inspiration or where did that motivation come from? to want to do more and to want to be more because most people would say if you're a lawyer hey you just uh make it, as the kids say you're securing the bag you know making that money but then you said yeah. there has to be more and i like what i heard when you said you know it just wasn't as fulfilling for me personally as i would have liked for it to be so can you talk to us a little bit about where that inspiration came from uh, and where that support continues to come from to really drive you towards this mission that you have yeah, I mean, so so I'll tell you there there are a couple of factors um, relative to the things that inspire me. I think one, um, my mom, um, who actually passed away 15 years ago this year, had always been, I think, one of my greatest sources of support and inspiration. And you know, despite the fact that you know I grew up in a fairly underserved area of Washington D.C., you know, my mom always had this viewpoint that. I was able to do whatever it was that I wanted to put my mind to as long as I was willing to invest the time. And she sort of encouraged me to be this continuous learner, which I think is a pretty critical component of my leadership journey as well. Um, I'll also say that an inspiration for me in terms of thinking beyond sort of what I was doing professionally to pivoting to things that were also personally important to me was honestly becoming a wife and a mother. And I always felt that once I had children, I wanted to continue with my career. It was really important to me. But I also knew that if I was going to continue with my career, that it couldn't just be about compensation or perceived prestige with what I was doing, that I had to have a high degree of personal fulfillment to leave my beautiful children and my family every single day. It had to be more for me than just a paycheck. Um, I wanted to make sure that, you know, the opportunity to create space for others to learn, grow and thrive and have equitable opportunities to pursue their careers and dreams was important. And I would say part of my third inspiration around that is, you know, people invested time in me. And they made it a point of giving me positive and negative feedback along the way of my you know, college journey, my graduate school journey. Um, even as I started my um, career in different phases of my career, I always felt that I had people in my life who were willing to invest the time to help me better understand myself so that I could be more effective as a leader, 
um, and provide me with that coaching and guidance. And so those are some of the things that I think certainly inspired me to make the pivot away from law to philanthropy to now diversity and inclusion. Um, but they're also the things that continue to inspire me today to remain committed to the work because you know diversity and inclusion, I think the, the beautiful thing is that over the past few years, there's been a stronger recognition of the opportunity and the importance for organizations to think about how they're engaging their workforce and making sure that they're creating environments where people feel that they are really included, they belong so that they can contribute to whatever that organization's mission, goals and objectives are. But I also think what sometimes is not understood is the challenges associated with trying to take on something that is so mission driven, something that frankly is also not necessarily well understood and I think also, unfortunately, of late, really becoming politicized to the detriment of organizations being able to focus on those things that are most important to create equitable opportunity for everyone. Wow. Now you now you raised like three other questions, right? So so let me let me talk about a couple of see, I knew you were gonna do that. A couple of things you talked about, I really want you to noodle out a little bit more. Because as you know, uh, the WIC Network, Betsy Magnus Leadership Institute, Betsy Magnus Graduate Institute is where we met. And one of the things that I admired was whenever you walked in the room, people were like, hey, Rhonda, I need to talk to you. Hey, Rhonda, hey, Rhonda. And it was because of so many of the things that you just talked about is that as people gave you feedback, you're giving other people that feedback and giving them a sort of the guidepost that they needed to, to maneuver and to, to grow in their in their career. Talk about, uh, you talked about your family and, and I love the fact that you said, you know, it had to be something that would pull me away from my family and my beautiful children every day for me to continue to do this. So can you say just a word uh, to working mothers and even working fathers that are saying, I have this aspiration, but I also have a commitment to my family. How do you balance that? And I hate the word balance because there's no such yeah. thing as, as work-life balance, but how did you integrate the two so that you could still be fulfilled on both levels? Yeah, and, and I will say, I think the critical word that you used is integration. Um, and I will readily profess that I didn't always do it well or do it right. Um, I do feel like I'm very fortunate in that um, my husband and I had an agreement very early on that we were both going to try to be very actively engaged in terms of managing our children's lives. And, you know, our kids participated at from an early age in a number of after school activities. And there were always things happening within um, the school that we wanted to make sure that we were visible. Um, and we really had a strong partnership to try to balance you know, my availability, his availability. And we had, you know, a number of people around us, some people who were family members, other people were individuals that we hired to help us sort of navigate the day and day, day and day operations of, you know, managing your career while also still trying to be actively involved with your family. And I, I, I didn't get it right all the time. And I think one of the things that we have to do as women is give each other a little bit of grace to understand that, yes, it is going to be difficult. I mean, I was actually having a conversation with my husband last week. We were have, talking about my daughter who is now 23 years old. And I was lamenting about how on her 13th birth, 
birthday, um, I had to travel abroad to Basel to a global meeting where I was one of the key presenters around our diversity and inclusion strategy at that meeting. So I really had to be there. It wasn't a responsibility that I could um, delegate to another member of my team. And I remember very vividly sort of having a video conference for my daughter's 13th birthday, singing to her from Switzerland, giving her her gift, and promptly disconnecting from the video conference and crying, feeling that I was failing my family as a mother because it was a significant milestone that I wasn't there um, to support. And so I do think that you have to be willing to understand that you know, we get caught up in this, can you have it all? Well, sure, you probably can. I don't know that you can have it all at the same time. And I think you have to really be thoughtful about where and how you want to invest your time in terms of balancing those two sets of responsibility from the personal to the professional and recognize that it's going to be challenging. Sometimes you'll get it wrong, but you savor the times when you get it right. I love it. And look at your daughter's 23. Looks like she made it made it through that 13th birthday. Okay, huh? She did. She did. (laughs) (laughs) And now I want to get back to a topic that you talked about. And uh, diversity obviously is is critical uh, for any organization to maintain its competitive advantage, but also to retain talent. I think we all know that there is a war for talent or a war on talent. But not I always say that not all talent is leaving organizations. There are some people that are choosing to stay. I'm just interested in you sharing with us how do you how do you navigate something as a topic as critical as diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging in an organization that has some traditions already in place and they have there are some mindsets already in place. And how do you do that and still A, accomplish the mission? and B, maintain the business interest, that side of it, and make it work. Because your organization, Charter, and the kind of work that you guys are doing is head and shoulders above above others. So how do you do that? How do you fulfill the mission as opposed to just paying lip service? What are you guys doing that's so special? Other than having yeah, one. Well, I, well, <laughs> you're very kind for saying that. I, I will say that, um, One of the things that was really important um, to me and and ultimately to the larger diversity and inclusion team um, was to ensure that we had a very strong story around the why this is important. And, you know, sometimes you will hear, well, it's the right thing to do. And I don't disagree that it is the right and appropriate thing to do. But I also think more importantly that it makes sense for us as a business to do it. And so from the very beginning of the work that we started around diversity and inclusion, we were focused on ensuring that our understanding understood, our our organization understood um, the importance and the business relevance around why we should care about ensuring that we had a market reflective talent pipeline at every level of our organization. Um, We spent a lot of time really understanding our business who are our customers? Where are the markets where we operate? What's the potential buying power? How does this sort of shape up from a consumer standpoint? What are their interests? And really began to use that as an opportunity to help leaders in the company understand that at the end of the day, our objective from a diversity and inclusion standpoint is to make sure that we're creating an environment where all of our employees feel welcome, they feel valued, they feel that they can contribute their best selves 
but the end state is that we want to make sure that they're doing so for the betterment of our customers and the continued success of our business. And so really sort of helping people understand that, you know, this is not sort of your affirmative action of the 1970s and this belief that this was about, you know, sort of government compliance, but it was more about understanding what is it that we needed to do from an organizational standpoint to harness the collective power of our employees to better understand, predict, and respond to the unique needs that our customers face. And I think we've continued to really maintain that anchor um, over the course of the almost seven years that we've been deeply focused on this work. I also think that it has been beneficial for us in that we did sort of invest a significant amount of time at the outset of our process, really sort of engaging and aligning with leadership, making sure that they were well-versed and the why behind diversity and inclusion so that when I'm not in the room or a member of my team isn't in the room, those leaders felt comfortable communicating within their leadership teams and their broader organizations about why it is that we focus on this for the purposes of advancing our business. So that's been, I think, a pretty important factor. I would say another thing that we've tried to be very disciplined about LD is measurement. And measurement is not always easy, but we do think particularly to the extent that we see opportunities within our workforce to further diversify our talent pipeline, we think that really being methodical about measuring what we're doing and whether it's having the intended outcome that we'd expect and keeping leaders abreast of what their individual performance has been against some of our talent objectives has also been a pretty significant factor in terms of our ability to accelerate some of the results that we've seen in terms of improving our talent pipeline, particularly at the more senior levels of the organization. We have a lot more work to do. I don't by any stretch of the imagination want to suggest that we're there, um, but I think that we've made some reasonably good strides and we've really tried to take, I think, a more systemic and holistic approach to all of our talent efforts in partnership with our colleagues in HR to make sure that we're able to move the needle forward. Absolutely. Guys, you see why I love her. I just love her, all right? <laughs> Rhonda, thank you. Hey guys, go out there and make it a great day. Rhonda, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Thank you for joining Common Sense Leadership Podcast with your host, Dr. L.D. Bennett. Visit our website, commonsenseleadership.org, for more details. See you next week.